Well, I prayed and I sought the Lord, and what kept coming to me was this is going to be a year of turnaround and deliverance. You know, sometimes an individual can be in bondage, in captivity. Sometimes entire families can be in captivity and bondage. Entire groups of people in the Old Testament, the entire nation of Israel would go into captivity. And they would be in bondage. And, you know, when, when the greater, uh, how can I say, the greater community is in a form of bondage or in captivity, the individuals within that community will also be in captivity. And I would dare say in the, in the last going on eight years, and even before that with Bill Clinton and some of our presidents who really opened the floodgates of, of sinfulness and, and moral decadence, uh, I really believe something happened in America. I really believe that we have come under a, uh, almost from the headship uh, on down, you know, as, as the leader leads, if he is in sin, it opens the door for the enemy to come in and be in people's lives. How many of you know Jesus said he gave no place to the devil? Ephesians 4.27, it tells us to give no place to the devil. Well, I believe this. Everyone has a jurisdiction and a domain in their life. I believe that my jurisdiction uh, is in several areas. My jurisdiction and domain is my personal life. I have a jurisdiction and a dominion or a domain over my family. I have a jurisdiction and a dominion or a domain over the church that God put me over. You know, and it says over there in, in Acts, the 20th chapter, it said, Take heed to yourself and to the flock of God in whom the Holy Ghost has made you overseer of. Then it also says, that in Hebrews 13, 17, it talks about submitting to those in authority because they will give an account for your souls. So you have a jurisdiction over your own life to be responsible for your life, to not let the devil into your life. And then you have a responsibility for your, your spouse, if you're, if you're the head of the house, and your family to not let the devil in with anything that you're doing because what you do can give place to the devil. How many of you know when Ananias and Sapphira held back the finances, that it says that first Ananias went in, and because he held back, he, he gave some. He just didn't give everything that he uh, committed to give. It says that the devil filled his heart, and he was confronted by Peter and says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And then he fell dead. And did you know that same thing came upon his wife? How many of you know because Adam didn't keep the door shut to the devil in the Garden of Eve? You know, Eve never should have been having a conversation with the devil. Adam should have ran that devil off long before it turned into a lengthy conversation with his wife. See, we are the gatekeepers of our house. We're the, I'm the gatekeeper of the church. And that's why certain things, you know, we, we have to address and we have to deal with. We can't allow and we... We can't allow gay marriage in our church, regardless what the government says. Can I get an amen? We can't endorse abortion in our church. There's some things we just can't do because that allows the devil in. But when the leaders of our nation allow certain things in, I believe it brings a certain level of sluggishness, oppression, almost like a captivity just doesn't seem to be any revival. It doesn't seem, you know, 
there's, there's only transfer growth in the churches, and, and, and there's no real growth from evangelism really taking on to any great degree in America. And I believe that a lot of that is, is because the people have chosen their Saul and rejected their Samuel. I remember Mike Huck, Rick Santorum was running, and he got rejected, and, and we got a person who is for abortion. We've got a person who's for uh, same-sex marriage. And, and because of that, I believe that there is almost like a captivity. There's almost like a, uh, I don't know, just an oppression and just not a full expression of what the kingdom of God is supposed to be doing in America. And I really believe that the, the enemy wants to bring us into those type of places. But I believe that when uh, the leadership either would repent or gets replaced, repentance or, replace, or replacement is really the only two answers, then there can be a chance for a new start. How many of you believe that? I really believe that America has an opportunity for a new start. I really believe that, uh, as Bob Vanderplatz has talked about, the 2016, you know, Second Chronicles 2016, if my people which are called by my name. You know, as, as we look at that scripture and we see that that's a recipe rev, for revival, that there has to be some repentance. And, and God has for us a year of Daniel. Look, as we can see here in Vision 2016, a year for your Daniel deliverance. I believe that corporately we need to be praying for deliverance from the oppressive type of leadership that the United States is under right now. I believe that as a family, you know, it affects you as an individual, as a family, it affects us as a church, it affects us as a nation. But I believe that 2016 is a year to believe for deliverance on every level, on every level, all the way from the national uh, state and even in a church, in your family, in individual lives. And that's why I chose these particular scriptures. So everybody, if you've got the vision 2016, I'm going to go through just the shortened uh, abbreviated version of what I want to say, which is on this, but that's only to allude to the message I'm going to give today about what I believe God is speaking to me about 2016. Daniel 26 and 22, 26 and 27 also. First Daniel, uh, it says, my God has sent an angel. He's speaking, Daniel himself. He sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have no hurt on me. For as much as before him... It, Innocency was found in me. In other words, he was walking with God. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. In other words, he's, he's, no, he's in no violation with God, the first you know, four commandments of the Ten Commandments. And then he says to the king, and I'm in no violation towards you, or you could say, my fellow man, the last six uh, commandments of the Ten Commandments. So, you know, when we walk in love, it's first, are we walking in love towards our Heavenly Father? Secondly, are we walking in love towards our fellow men? And he's making this declaration, I'm innocent, I, I'm not in offense, I'm not doing anything that I know of that's disobedient. And, and he, he makes that clear, O oh, King, I have done no hurt. And I make it, and basically he was delivered from the lion's mouth, he made that declaration. And then the king says this, they pull Daniel out of the lion's den, and, and he's got this supernatural deliverance. The lions did not attack him powerful thing. But the greater part of the message isn't just Daniel being saved. And I think a lot of people miss it when they read the sixth chapter of Daniel. You know, like the most important thing there was the fact that Daniel got delivered from the lion's den. Well, praise God. And we're going to talk about all the typologies of Christ that there is with Daniel. 
But the greatest thing is this. It goes on and it says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Now, you've got to remember, he just threw a bunch of legislators to the lions and they ate the legislators. There was a national deliverance that took place. There was a civic reformation that took place when Daniel walked in excellence and would not back down but stood even in civil disobedience for his religious liberty. Did you know we're living in that exact day right now? That's exactly where we're at right now. Now look what it says. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. Man, the king is preaching. Look at these declarations that he's making about God. Preach means to declare. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. Kind of like, you know, when we say the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And and kingdom without end. Amen. And it says, he delivereth and he rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Well, that is really, I believe this year, is that God wants to bring a Daniel deliverance to the nation, to every level, all the way down to your family, and all the way down to you personally, I believe. Because I believe when the nation goes through something, a transformation, then God can bring it about in our lives. And I believe that anytime God gives us promises, I think every prophecy, every promise, every declaration made in the scriptures is always contingent upon whether we will cooperate with what God wants to do. How many of you believe that this morning? You know, some people think God is just this sovereign God and, you know, he's kind of like a Hitler-like dictator. You know, he already made some people to go to hell and some to go to heaven, and we really aren't going to be able to affect it one least little bit. Well, that's not really sovereignty. That's just a, that's a, an offshoot and wrong thinking. Really, sovereignty is that God has sovereignly given us free will. And if you don't understand free will, you, I don't think you understand anything about the Bible all the way from Adam and Eve going against God to Jesus coming and saying, not my will, but thy will be done, and, and redeeming us from the first Adam's mistakes. So as we look at this, I think it's, it's really powerful uh, to know that uh, God has deliverance on every level. Now, I'm just going to look at the vision here, and we're going to talk more about that. As we've always had, we, we've got the vision. You can look at that. And the mission statement, JFC values, everything we do are to fall within those values. And then we have what's new for 26, excuse me, 2016, uh, is the goals, ministry goals, event goals, facility goals. So let's go to the back page. We'll look at those. And then we're, we're going to go ahead and get into the word. It says, thou shalt decree a thing, and this is why we write it down. It shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon uh, thy ways. You know, Habakkuk says, write it down, make it plain upon tables, that he that reads it might be able to run with it. But ministry goals, I really believe that our praying is not in vain and that the board that we're praying over the names, that I really want to get to a place where we come to a season and we'll set the dates where we have an invite Sunday. And then we hone these down to maybe three people, two or three people that we really begin to pray for a month before. How many of you continue to pray for the people on the board? Any, anybody in faith about the people on the board? Raise your hand if you're in faith about the people on the board. I'm in faith for that. I'm believing that our prayers are not in vain. I'm believing that God's going to show us two or three people, and when we begin to have like 
uh, invite Sundays, that those people will come to mind and we'll know which one. And then we're going to erase all the rest of the names temporarily. And then we're going to only pray for a handful that we're going to invite. And we're going to be very strategic and intentional about choosing and calling upon God. And we're going to start changing our prayers a little bit. We've been praying for them for quite a while. And now we're going to start praying that God would begin to lead us to people. How many of you know we're to pray for the labors as well as for the lost? Really, it's more scriptural to pray for the labors. That's us. And what do we need to pray? That we'll do what the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we're going to get certain people, and we're just going to pray that God gives us opportunities now. We've prayed for them. I believe that uh, the ground is being made uh, fertile, and, and it's being plowed up, and it's being ready for us to go sow some seed. How many of you believe that today? That when we pray and we say, God, bring them to sorrow, bring them to repentance, bring them to understanding of your goodness, which brings repentance with different types of people, that then what we can begin to do is we can begin to say, okay, God, we've been praying for these people now for some time, and we could just keep praying for them and not do anything, but that would be unscriptural because we're supposed to pray for them, but then we're supposed to go and we're supposed to witness to them. Then we're supposed to go into the highways and byways and bring them into the Lord's house. And, you know, we think they need prayer. I, I think we need prayer more than they do. Because I think sometimes we're more disobedient than the lost people are. They're disobedient to receive Jesus, but sometimes we're disobedient to go lead them to Jesus. So we need prayer too, and we need to be praying, okay, Lord, now I'm going to choose these two or three. And now I'm going to start praying for them, and I'm going to pray for me to have opportunities to go speak to them now. I've prayed enough. We've prayed for months now. We've prayed for them to have the devil uh, broke off of their, uh, off their existence and and we've prayed for them to have sorrow that leads to friends. We've prayed for them to understand the goodness of God. We've prayed for them to be fertile ground. And now let's go put some seed in the ground. But I need some prayer to be a labor that's sent forth into the harvest and into the ripe harvest. So we're going to pray for that. And we're going to look at that board. And that board is going to be our template. It's going to help keep us on track. And we're going to keep praying every week that we're going to go. And we're going to begin to do what the Bible commands us to do. I want to do that in the spring. I want to do that in the fall. I want to have two major times where we have prayed, we have chosen out people, and we are very strategic, we're very intentional, and we go and we witness to them, and we begin to invite them, and we begin to call upon the Lord uh, to really affect their life, uh, not at a distance, but face-to-face, and begin to affect their lives. Secondly, a spring and fall, William Penn Campus Blitz. I also want to go out. Henry has been doing soul winning, uh, and they, they've been very involved in winning people. They even had a bunch of the professors go soul winning with them. Is that correct, Henry? When was that? The last week of last semester. And you had how many professors go with you soul winning? Yeah. So it was, it was several that went. And, and to get the professors at William Penn to go soul winning, that's way too evangelical for their comfort zone usually. I, I, was, I, was, I thought, now all the miracles I've heard, that, now tell me again, did I hear that wrong or did you say the professors went and did some soul winning? How many colleges do you know today that aren't like real Christian, evangelical Christian colleges where there's a group on campus that gets the professors to go soul winning? How many of you think that's a pretty amazing thing? I think our prayers are being answered. So I want to do a blitz, and you know what might be even more amazing? If a bunch of church people went soul winning. 
Imagine that. So that's what I want to see. I would like to see us go and go to the William Penn campus and, and take some groups. And Henry can be a, a great help to us, and Team Christ can be a great help to us with that. Amen? Does that sound good, brother? Amen. So we, we really appreciate Henry and Jean-Claude and all the work that they're doing there. Let's give them a big hand. Amen? They're doing some amazing things at William Penn. They said the numbers have been down a little bit. Well, sometimes that happens, but I think even more amazing things have happened, even though maybe numbers have been down a little bit. And so that happens. You know, the enemy always, uh, you know, will, will cause people to be unfaithful and they'll cooperate. But, but you know, uh, I'm not going to cooperate with that. How, how many of you are not going to cooperate with unfaithfulness? Amen. That's the enemy. And so we, we can go out and we can be a, a light and salt to that campus. Last, I want to participate in a joint mission trip. There's some things that we have in mind that we haven't fully developed yet. But I really believe that it would be good for us to do, reach out, even if it's locally. Uh, you know, we, we were talking about maybe some things, some of the uh, young people in high school. How many of you know that there is like 26 homeless kids over here at the high school? How many of you know there's 26 of them even li- either living in their cars, living in somebody else's home, or living on the street going to school? And when they show up at school, that's where they shower in the, a- in the athletic facilities. That's where they shower. That's where they get all their food is that school lunch. And they sit in their car and do their homework, and then they lay down, and that's where they put their head to rest at night. How many of you know that a lot of them don't have good, clean clothes? And there's 26 of them. We found that out, and that's a reliable source. And they lay out clothes for them, and there's people that have brought clothes. And I don't know if they got it from the Goodwill or, where, or if people brought the clothes, but they lay out clothes for them, and those kids go and, and pick up those clothes, and that's what they wear is the clothes that they get at the public school. The only food they have is the food that they're getting at the public school, and they're still trying to go to school, trying to do their homework in a cold car, living in somebody else's basement, or who knows what. But in the summertime, those kids still don't have any food. And so we've thought, we've considered possibly being part of the solution in helping uh, to serve meals to homeless high school kids that are trying to go through high school. How, can you imagine going through high school without a home? Well, we got 26 of them right here in Oskaloosa. So I don't know what exactly we're going to do in our joint mission outreach, but that, that was one consideration that we're considering doing. How many of you know Jesus said that we need to go to those who are in prison, those who are um, sick, those who are hungry, those who need clothes? You know, those kids are, are almost in a prison of, of loneliness and isolation. They need to have clothes. They need to be fed. They need to have someone give them something to drink. You know, I really believe that a, a lot of the churches... Uh, should be meeting that need instead of the public school. You know, when the public school meets all your needs, you're, you're a lot more inclined to believe in Darwin than in Jesus. But if the church would meet some of those needs, maybe those kids would be more inclined to believe in Jesus instead of secular humanism. Because right now, secular humanistic uh, culture is taking care of their needs, not the church. So let's, let's think about those things. Then event goals, I want to take two groups to walking in victory. I don't know that we got a lot signed up, but I really believe uh, that that is one of the greatest things that you can invest in. I believe that Dr. Mark is a tremendous just resource and opportunity that not very many people have. And to, and to just ignore that is, is almost unbelievable to me. And so I really want to encourage you 
uh, to sign up and be part of the solution for marriages in America. And get, get involved with that. It's a great thing. Then we've got, I would like to take all the children of Jubilee Family Church to Camp Creation this summer. I did not know that we had in our community a camp. And it's, is it, uh, it's the Boonders, the Boonder family. Who? The Russ family. And they take children and they teach them about creationism versus Darwinism. You know, if they're going to go to school and learn about Darwinism and secular humanism, maybe we ought to send them at least for one day to get a full indoctrination of what creationism really is. Amen. We should be teaching that in our, in our Sunday school too, and we do. But I would really love to see all of our children. How many would like to see all of our kids to be able to go and at least have the choice of understanding what creationism is also? I think that's an important thing. That's at the foundation of understanding that the, book, the Bible is uh, the foundation of all truth. It's one of the most fundamental doctrines in the Bible. So I think that's a great thing, too. I want to have also 100% civic responsibility. I think every person in this church gets taught on a level that's far, far more than the average church on civic responsibility. I think you get far more opportunities to vet candidates than most churches. I think there's no excuse for not being responsible in our civic responsibility and engaging. So we want 100% civic responsibility in the caucus. We'd love to see uh, the same number go to convention this next year, and, and then the election uh, obviously is coming up in November. So, uh, and if there's anyone and you don't know who to vote for, just come talk to me. <laughs> Church isn't going to endorse anybody. Church isn't going to endorse a candidate. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but if you want to know personally who I'm going to vote for, you have every right to do that. Amen? You know, the IRS just really think that they're really smart. Well, we can be smart too. You know, every evil law, we can, we can turn it around for a godly response. I don't care how evil the law might be to try to restrain us, to try to oppress us, to try to put us in captivity. Uh, God always has a way for a godly response you know, they could never outwit Jesus when they got into debates with him. And, you know, and if we're just wise, we can be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Amen? So if you, if you have any questions about that, we would love to help you. And if you still haven't registered, we'd love to get you registered. Because I really believe what I'm saying this morning, that when we're under a national oppression, you know, we haven't seen days like when Ronald Reagan was president, we haven't seen moves of God like it was in those times. Some of you are too young to even know what it felt like to be in America when there wasn't political correctness and the Spirit of God was moving across our land. Some of you are too young to even have ever experienced that. I would love to see the next generation experience that. And ever since we've got a baby killing, gay marriage advocating, uh, left-wing, uh, Christian-hating leadership in our country, a lot of that has waned. But I believe if that can change, a lot of spiritual things can begin to change as well. So our civic responsibility is very important in this year, 2016. A lot of people believe revival is going to begin this year. A lot of people believe there's going to be a turnaround in our national leadership this year. It is a season to be in prayer, not a season uh, to be AWOL spiritually. I really believe that when we get, get involved, God can begin to do great things. Facility goals. Let's go down to that last uh, section there. And we, we have raised the money uh, partially in the summer and then in this year-end offering for the, to install the wheelchair lift. So just pray for us. Again, we, we've, we've kind of 
run into some uh, glitches, but we're going to get that all uh, ironed out. Epicenter doors over there, we still have to have doors painted, repaired. <clears throat> There's some things that need to be done on that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we also need to get water to the epicenter. Uh, the old lines were broken up when they did the deconstruction of the buildings. And so we're going to be tearing out some of the old concrete right in front of the Quonset shed. And then we're going to be putting in a new water line over to the epicenter. So we're believing for a $5,000 mid-year offering. How many will believe with me for $5,000 to come in? Amen. So we are just believing for a lot of good things. And, you know, every, every time you go to pray, I ask that you take these goals and take ownership of these goals yourself. This isn't Pastor Bill. It isn't his goals. This is the goals that are really, uh, how can I say, given to all of us corporately as a body to believe for, to get involved and help bring to pass. How many will do that this morning? We'll join in and be a part. Amen. So that is, that is our, our goals. And now back to Daniel. And I want to just begin, turn with me, and we're going to open up to uh, 1 Peter 5 and 8. And we're going to look at something here that we all know this verse of Scripture, but I want to connect it to an Old Testament story, and I want to help bring understanding to uh, what's being said here. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. How many of you know the lions could not devour Daniel? Is the picture right on the front of the vision. We see it's an old picture that we've all seen before. But Daniel the prophet was, was not able to be devoured by the lions. I believe there's a lot of Christians being devoured by the devil who goes about seeking whom he may devour. They're being devoured financially. They're being devoured in their marriage. They're being devoured in their kids. They're being devoured in their, in their just overall well-being and happiness. That uh, The devil devours their joy. The devil devours their family unity their marriage, uh, the devil devours uh, their, what they're doing vocationally, the de- devil devours all that they're trying to do, and they seem to have no resistance against the enemy because somehow uh, he's been let in. But I want to talk today about the Daniel deliverance and some of the traits of Daniel first, and then some of the effects that when you live like Daniel, you can have a deliverance also like Daniel. And I believe that this year there's people that have been in oppression, And I believe that in our nation we've been in oppression. I believe that families have been oppressed. And I believe this year there is potential for a Daniel deliverance in your life. So turn with me quickly. We're going to go to Daniel, the sixth chapter, and we're going to look at some things as to Daniel's life and story. Daniel was unique in that he was a prophet and a president. He was a sacred and a civil leader. He wasn't just a sacred spiritual leader like a pastor or a prophet, but he was also a president, it says in in the sixth chapter. So he was also a threat in the civil realm. You know, it's one thing to be a threat in the spiritual realm, in, the, in spiritual uh, leadership, sacred leadership in the church, and, and the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And, and the, devil, the devil definitely doesn't like pastors. He definitely doesn't like people in the fivefold ministry. But did you know the devil also hates people that are in civil government? And he hates them to have any uh, godly influence. And, and if you talk to any Christian that's in Washington, D.C., they're the outsider. They're impugned, they're marginalized, they're made fun of, that they're kind of the dumb little evangelical that we all are going to treat like somebody who's just really not with it. And you go to talk to any of these people, and they will tell you that there is an incredible force against Christians in civil government right now. And so Daniel was a double threat. Everybody say double threat. 
because he was a godly, excellent man, and he was used in the prophetic realm and the prophetic office, but he was also used as a Romans 13 minister in the civil realm in a presidential office as well as a prophetic office. Therefore, he posed very much a dual or double threat against the devil, and the devil did not like Daniel. Daniel was an amazing guy because you can go back to chapter 2 and Daniel confronts Nebuchadnezzar and, and Nebuchadnezzar was all lifted up in pride and he says, look at this great world kingdom that I've created. And Daniel goes to him and after he has this dream and he says, the interpretation of the dream is this, dude. Uh, you're thinking way more highly of yourself than you're ought, and God's going redu- to reduce you to something like an animal and you're going to run around out in the fields and you're going to get covered with hair and feathery hair, and you're going to feed off the grass of the field, and you're going to find out that you can't do anything without God's help. And Nebuchadnezzar had that happen. And so he brought this tremendous rebuke, uh, and really, and then direction, and and telling him what's going to happen in in the future. Then we can see in Daniel 5, Belshazzar, who who came in and took all the the, uh, utensils out of the holy places, and and did a lot of things wrong. And then there was writing on the wall saying, you, you've been weighed and found hanging in the balance. And you've found, been found deficient. And your kingdom is going to be taken from you tonight. Sure enough, he was overtaken. And then Darius comes. And this is where we pick up the story. And it says in Daniel 6, verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdoms 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might uh, give accounts unto. And the king should have no damage. Then Daniel was preferred above the presidents. In other words, there was a hundred leaders. There was three presidents. He was one of the three presidents, and he was preferred above all uh, or the other two presidents. He was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. You know, if you have an excellent spirit, if you can be trusted, if you'll show up, if you'll do, if you'll be faithful, not just to your thing, but to God's thing, and you've got that excellent spirit in you, God will put you over some things. But it takes an excellent spirit to be that way. Daniel could be trusted. Daniel could be put into a position where the king knew every time he could always depend on Daniel. And Daniel was preferred, everybody say preferred, You know, people who are faithful and have an excellent spirit are always going to be preferred over people who don't. Somebody says, you know, well, you know, do you have favorites or do you have preferences? And, 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 you know, we can see that he was preferred because he was of an excellent spirit, because he had a heart that was ready to serve. You know, David, when a bunch of uh, people came to him from another tribe, and he says, if you've come to help me, my heart will be knit to you. But if if you're just coming to jump on board this ship... The Lord rebuke you. See, his heart would be knit to those who would help. He says, if you'll help me, my heart will be knit to you. David uh, said that to a bunch of soldiers that came to him. Here we see Daniel was preferred above all the presidents because he was a faithful, excellent man. And you know, a lot of people don't like people that are excellent. They don't like people that are favored. And we can see as it goes on, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel. How many of you know jealousy rules a lot of people? Concerning the kingdom, and they could find no occasion nor fault 
for as much as he was faithful, everybody say faithful. How many of you know God likes faithful people? See, he was hated because he was faithful, but he was also preferred because he was faithful. And because he was faithful, God could place him in high places. You know, until we're faithful, we're never going to advance in God's kingdom. And they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I can't find anything on that preacher's life, but, but you know, I, I don't like what he says about tithing. I don't like what he says about, you know, being married, or I don't like what he says about this, or I don't like what he says about that. So they'll, they'll try to find something wrong because they can't find anything wrong with him. They'll find something wrong with what he stands for. How many of you know the world can't find that much wrong with us, but they sure hate what we stand for? They're against what we believe concerning marriage. They're against what we believe concerning life. They're against what we believe concerning small government. They're against a lot of things that we believe because they can't really find out. You know, how many of you know they're digging really hard all the time to try to find something wrong with us? But what they're finding is most Christians, now there's some exceptions, you know, there's some Jimmy Swaggerts that fall, and there's, you know, some guys like that that make some big mistakes and, and do some really stupid things, and then that's just the headlines for, you know, 20 years. But for the most part, Christian people, they know that they're living better than they are. So then they try to find something wrong with what we believe. You know, all you got to do is look at what the, what the candidates, how they try to marginalize the candidates. And they try to find something wrong with what they believe. You, know, you can't find anything wrong with, uh, you know, Ted Cruz's, you know, rec- record on his transcripts of schoolwork. You know, he's a 4.0 student. You can't find anything wrong with his debate record. He was national champion. He was North American champion, South American champion, European champion. You can't find anything wrong with his marriage. He's a happily married man. You can't find anything wrong with his church attendance. He's always been in church since he got saved. You can't find anything wrong with his parents. They used to be drunks, and now they're, they're preaching Jesus. You can't find anything wrong. You know, you can go on and on and try to find something wrong with him. He won nine Supreme Court, you know, cases before the Supreme Court. You can't find anything wrong with his work record. He's always done his job and done it well. You just can't find anything wrong with that. But so what you do is you find something wrong with what he believes and say, oh, how terrible it is. He actually believes that a baby is a person in the womb. You know, that that makes him a crazy person. That makes him a right-wing nut. Now, I'm just using him for an example. But how many of you know that's what the world wants to do to us? How many of you know we're living in that day? We're living in the days of Daniel all over again. How many of you know the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun? That which has gone around will come around again. And we're right back where uh, we were in the days of Daniel. And we can see uh, that he, he, he came under all this stuff. But he was an excellent person. They couldn't find anything wrong with him. Well, you know, I believe this. How did Daniel, what was so excellent about Daniel? Well, you can go back to Daniel 1 and 8, and it said that when they came, and this is when he was a little boy, they took the three Hebrew children out of Israel when they, uh, when they overran, and, and they came into captivity, and they said, take the most perfect of all the children without any blemishes. Everybody say, without any blemishes. Now we're going all the way back to chapter 1 in Daniel. See, Daniel wasn't part of the Babylonian culture. He was a transfer in. And, but when the Babylonians overran the people of God and they took the smartest ones because they knew God's people were smart. 
And they took Daniel and they said, okay, we're going to choose the best and the brightest of all these Hebrews and we're going to make them our workers. They're going to work for us. How many of you know when uh, the Nazis uh, took over, they still used a lot of the Jews as their scientists and their, and their deepest thinkers? Same way with Russia. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't have any creativity, but they got the Jews and, and they uh, helped them figure a lot of things out. Well, the same thing goes all the way. There's nothing new under the sun. The Babylonians, because they're of reprobate minds, they knew that the Jewish, the, the children, they were the brightest ones. And the Bible says that Daniel, when they tried to feed him the king's food, he said, I will not defile myself concerning the Levitical dietary laws. He wouldn't go against God's word. And because of that, you find later in the chapter, everybody say this, he was 10 times smarter. How many of you know Jesus wouldn't defile himself? How many of you know when he was in the temple, he was probably 10 times smarter than all the doctors of the law because they were amazed at this 12-year-old who could answer all their questions? Daniel's a clear type of Christ. When we look at that, he would not be defiled, and as a result, he was 10 times wiser because he would not be defiled in the dietary um, laws of his God. Daniel 3 and 18. He would not bow and worship the false gods before Nebuchadnezzar when he set up the, the great idol. Here's this golden idol that was set up. And Nebuchadnezzar required everybody to come and bow down to the idol when they worshipped. So number two, we can see that Daniel and the three Hebrew children, they wouldn't bow to the idol. How many of you know what happened then? They got thrown into the fire. And he says, I'm not careful to answer you this concerning this matter, O king, because we will not bow to your God. And even if he doesn't save us, we're still not going to bow. But I believe he's going to save us from the fire. And they says, okay, you think so? We'll throw you in that fire. They threw him in the fire, and they were invincible. And they saw, instead of three, they saw four Hebrew children walking around in the fire. And the king says, pull those guys out of there. And they pulled him out, and he began to declare, your God is the only true God. So an excellent spirit, number one, will not be defiled by the world. He would not take in and feed upon things of the world. You know, we can feed upon things in the world with what we watch on television, what we listen to in music, who we hang around with. Are you feeding on the world's food? Excellent spirits don't feed on the world's food. Number two, he would not bow down and worship their gods. And he says, I don't care what you do to me. You can throw me in the fire. You can do whatever you want. My God is going to take care of me, but I'll not bow down to your God. You know, Christians bow down to the God's of their vocation and putting it over church and over God. They'll bow down to their money, putting it over church and over God. They bow down to all kinds of secular cultural idols today. And because of that, they don't have an excellent spirit. Everybody say, Daniel had an excellent spirit. Amen. And you know, I believe this, the same cultural idols that the world is bowing down to, many Christians are bowing down to today. I can do whatever I want. With my life. I can do whatever I want on the Sabbath and the whole day that is set to be holy before God. I can do whatever I want with my money. I can do whatever I want with my life. Well, that's funny. Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. That's an idol. That's making yourself an idol. But see, Daniel had an experience because he would not bow to the cultural idols of his day. Everybody say, he had an excellent spirit. And then he would not forsake... In Daniel 6, when they said, they made this law that you can't pray to any other God. You can't pray to any other deity of any kind. 
except the king. That's called emperor worship. It was always a, a, a big deal all throughout the Roman Empire, all in the ancient world, in the pagan world, there's always been emperor worship. Now we kind of worship the federal government. The, the government's supposed to be my provider for my money. It's supposed to be my Medicare. It's supposed to take care of me and give me my insurance. And I depend, everything I depend upon comes from the federal government today for a lot of people. How many of you know that's a form of idolatry too? But he would not forsake his God. And they said, you can't bow to him. So Daniel goes, you know what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to commit some civil disobedience with an attitude. So he goes and he throws the windows open. And he begins to praise and worship and pray to his God loudly out the window so everybody could hear him. Today, we'd go down and hide in the basement. Oh, man, I don't want anybody to know. I'm a Christian. I better not tell anybody at work I'm a Christian. I'll go secretly say my prayers and read my Bible so nobody knows. Daniel was just the opposite. He says, I want everybody to know that I'm in civil disobedience to this wicked, idolatrous law. I want everybody to know who my God is. I'm going to make it clear that I serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I serve the God of Israel. I don't want anybody to make any mistakes about this. I, I don't care what the laws say. I'm going to stand for it, and I'm going to have everybody know who I stand for. There's going to be no mistakes. I'm not going to bow down. I don't have the spirit of timidity. I'm going to make it known to everybody, and I want you to know that my God is not Nebuchadnezzar, or his big statue, my God, I mean, it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar then, it was Darius, it was, my God is not Darius, and I do not bow down to him, but I bow only to the God of Israel. So he went home and prayed through his windows, everybody heard it, everybody knew what Daniel was doing. That's what an excellent spirit is. You do not forsake God, and you don't give up on the religious liberty, that, because our rights come from God, they don't come from the government. See, I believe that is so important, and it may, if it seems important today, it may be a lot more important in a few years. And I believe this, his persecutors came, and they judged him, and they found out who the real God was. So, so those are the things why he had an excellent spirit. Back to Daniel. We see that Daniel had an excellent spirit. Verses 4 and 5, Daniel was faultless, and he was faith-filled. How many want to be faultless but faith-filled? He was faultless. They couldn't find anything wrong with him. And he was faith-filled or faithful. He was filled with faith. And they couldn't attack him, so they attacked the law of his God. You know, sometimes if we, if we live really godly, we will know because we'll be persecuted. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. But no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Praise God. I know that if I, if I stand in these days with God, he's not going to forsake me. And then verses 6 through 9, the legislators, they pushed a law through that was a conspiracy against Daniel, his religious liberty, and against his God. They gathered together and they said, we can't find anything wrong with this guy. What are we going to do? I don't like him. All the other guy says, we don't like him. I'm jealous of him. We, we, we're all jealous of him. We don't like that he's a, this religious guy. He isn't even a Babylonian. He's not even one of us. He came out of that dispersion. He came out of that bunch of Jews they brought in here. We don't like him. We want to get rid of him. But, you know, the king really likes him. Well, you know what? we got to trick the king somehow. Come on, we're the legislature, we're the house, we're the, we're, we're the senate. We, we can make this happen. Let's make us a law that's very deceptive. Let's not let the king know. How many of you know in America we're king? A government of the people, for the people, and by the people. How many of you know if you complain against you know, the leadership in America, you're the voters, you're the one that either let him get put in or you're the one that voted for him to put him in. 
We can complain all we want about the king. You know, we call it a president nowadays. But we can complain all we want about the president. But we allowed him to be voted in. We the people. Everybody say, we the people. And, you know, back in those days, there was one king. Today, we as a nation are king, the people. Of the people, for the people, and by the people. And, you know, we've got some legislators making some laws behind our backs that we don't know that the outcome of those laws is against God's people. It's exactly the same as in Daniel's day. Here's a king that was a good guy. Here's a king that actually liked Daniel. Here's a king that wouldn't make any laws against his Daniel because he really liked him. But the legislators, they're behind closed doors, and they're making laws they are going to force king, or today it would be we the people, to do things against God's man and God's covenant and God's covenant people. So they come back and say, king, we made a law that no one should bow down to any other king and, and, and pray to any other king. And he says, oh, that's great, that's great. We want to keep the kingdom unified. We don't want people going after other kings and, and causing a division in our nation. And, and they said, oh, and by the way, that Daniel guy, he's praying to his God. Well, that's different. You can pray. He says, nope, nope, that's, the law can't be changed. How many of you know it says there that the, that law could never be changed? So they had lawmakers tricking the leadership, tricking the people into laws that didn't have any common sense, that went against what they, sounds like today. Making a law that you really don't want, making a law that doesn't have any common sense, making a law that goes directly against uh, what's right morally. Kind of sounds like Obamacare. (laughs) I tell you what, it's bad when the nation is being controlled by darkness. And then all of a sudden, the government takes the religious liberty of a Daniel and strangles it. Puts it on trial and says, we're going to have to execute you now. That's right where we're at in this country. They're trying to strangle us. No, you can't have any prayer at school. We'll teach you you've got to memorize the first four books of the Koran, but you can't even begin to open that Bible or you'll go to jail. Little girl who's the valedictorian of your high school in Texas, if you say a prayer, there's going to be a, a, a national marshal there. There's going to be a federal marshal at your graduation, and if you say a prayer, we're going to send you to jail right there in front of everybody. How many of you know that actually happened in Texas? Praise God, she got a court order beforehand and never had to come to that. And you can't have those Ten Commandments out in front of your courthouse. That's illegal. We're going to tear it down. How many of you know Daniel was exactly where we are at today? They were, straight, they were having guys making laws behind closed doors that the good folks didn't know were being made and making the good folks do things against what they believe against their own common sense, against their own morals, against their own better judgment, because some guys behind closed doors made some laws that are forcing us all to do things exactly opposite the way God would have us do them. So Daniel's put on trial. And of course, he's found guilty. He's not going to say, I didn't didn't worship my God. He's going to get in that courtroom and says, exactly right, guys. That's exactly what I was doing, worshiping my God. Anybody like to know him? So they throw Daniel into the lion's den. And here, here's where we pick up on the, on the vision. And 
Daniel had a deliverance. I believe that America is due for a deliverance. I believe God's people are due for a deliverance. I believe just like, you know, Pharaoh and his big government, there was a time where they just go too far, too much. No, you can't go out into the wilderness and worship your God. We're going to keep you our slaves. And, and just like right here, no, you can't bow down and worship your God. There's a point where the devil oversteps his bounds. <clears throat> and I believe that deliverance, when it comes nationally, it comes for the church, it comes for families, it comes for individuals, it comes because whenever a nation makes laws, and I can't give you the verse right now, but in essence, the Bible teaches it's one thing if you have, let's just take homosexuality. Let, let, let's say if you have homosexuality in a nation, it's one thing to have that. Yes, it's a sin. Yes, we know it's wrong. But when you stand in the face of God and stick your finger in God's face and say, we're going to make a law that says it's okay. We don't care what your word says. How many you know then that changes everything? That changes everything. See, we've done that. And I believe that there's going to be judgment. But I also believe that if we get new leadership, we can turn that around and we don't have to be judged. Maybe we'll, we'll be anyway. I don't know. But I know this, that as long as we're sticking our finger in God's face and say, you don't know what you're talking about, God. We can kill babies in the womb. Murder is okay. Same-sex marriage is okay. And not only are we going to allow it, but we're going to legislate it. There's a line that you cross when you legislate something. Then you have set yourself up as an enemy of God. We all know there's going to be sin. We all know that people are sinful. We all know that you know, some things are just going to happen and there's going to be sinful people in the world and, and God's dealing with them and we're trying to get them saved. But when you stand up as the leader of the nation and say, you know what, everybody? It's all right to sin. You know what, everybody? It's okay to go diametrically opposed to our God. See, that's a dangerous thing. See, that's where we're at right now. See, those legislators stood up and said, you know what? Idolatry is okay. We're going to make a law that you have to be an idolater and worship the king. How many of you know they stepped over a line when they did that? So Daniel comes along, and they throw him in the lion's den, and we know the rest of the story. And let me tell you what a Daniel deliverance looks like. They threw him in the, in the lion's den, and in verses 19 through 28, I'm going to call it the three points of Daniel's deliverance. In Daniel's deliverance in 19 through 23, we see that Daniel is protected because he believed in his God. It says, because he believed in his God. We will always be protected if we believe in our God. Number two, Daniel's enemies will be prosecuted. The evil legislators are thrown to the lions. How many of you want your enemy, the devil, prosecuted? Amen. Verses 25 through 27, it says, Daniel's God, that the king got up and began to declare that his God was the great God, the only true God, and the only living God, that our God gets proclaimed. And then lastly, it says that Daniel prospered. Let me just read that, that last verse. And it says, and so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. How many of you want to be protected in these days that we're living in? How many of you want the enemy to be prosecuted in the days that we're living in? How many of you want the gospel to be proclaimed in the days that we're living in? How many of you want to prosper in the days that we're living in? See, I would say that those are pretty relevant issues for today. I would say that those things are very pertinent. But you know what? It takes an excellent person like Daniel. Daniel would not defile himself. 
Daniel would not compromise. Daniel, Daniel was this very unique uh, person that, that just would not go along with the crowd. And Daniel would not re- relinquish from his stance to worship his God. And I believe that today we can have a Daniel-type deliverance and that we need to begin to pray because a deliverance for our nation is a deliverance for our, uh, for our churches, it's a deliverance for our families, it's a deliverance for us as individuals. And I believe it's time that we start praying for a Daniel deliverance on a national scale and on an individual scale. Let me, let me give you some typologies. I mean, you know, Daniel being a type of Christ, it says uh, that he was unblemished and undefiled. Unblemished, it says in 1 Peter 1, 19, that Christ was the lamb that was chosen without blemish and without sin. So he was unblemished. How many of you know in Exodus 12, in the Passover, that they chose an unblemished lamb that was in his prime? Daniel was one of the unblemished children of Israel that the Babylonians chose to go on a leadership track in the Babylonian community. He also is without sin. And so he's a type of Christ. He's without blemish as the perfect lamb. He was without sin in a, in as we can see that he was undefiled, he wouldn't drink and eat of the king's wine and food. Second Corinthians says, for he has made him to be sin who knew no sin. Daniel was like that. He didn't enter into the world and its sin. Daniel 120, one, yeah, 120 says he was 10 times wiser. Jesus was wiser than all the doctors of the law. And in, uh, he was in the synagogue and they were amazed when Mary and Joseph went down to the census and they lost him for several days. And then they regained him. And, he told, and, and they told, him, uh, told them of his great wisdom. And then Daniel 2 through 6, uh, Daniel confronted kings, Nebuchadnezzar. He confronted uh, Darius and, and other ones. And we can see Jesus also confronted kings in Luke 13, 32, when he told uh, the, uh, who was it that he called the fox? Herod. He said, Herod was a fox. And he says, I'm not going to quit preaching the kingdom of God. So we can see Daniel was a lot like Jesus in so many things. Daniel had an excellent spirit. In the Amplified Translation, it says in Mark 7, 37, that Jesus did all things excellently. In Daniel 6, 4 through 13, we see the unjust are condemned by the jealous, uh, and uh, they they came against uh, Daniel and his God. How many of you know that they came against Jesus without a cause? How many of you know it says they killed him without a cause? One place it says it was because of jealousy that they killed Jesus. How many of you know that it was a false mock trial, that they broke every single law of the Sanhedrin when they brought Jesus to trial that night? How many of you know these legislators were breaking laws and and it was all nefarious and false and, and bogus the way they brought Daniel to trial, just like with Jesus? How many of you know that Jesus was thrown... Uh, into the pit where the devil is for three days. How many of you know Daniel was thrown in the pit and came up out of the pit, just like the resurrection when Jesus came up out of the pit? Those are some pretty strong parallels between Jesus and Daniel. And then how many of you know Daniel's enemies were deposed? You can look at Colossians 2.15, and it says, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly and triumphed over them in it. It says in Revelation 20, 10 and 15, all whose name were not written in the Lamb's book of life, he will cast into the lake of fire. And it says the devil was cast into the lake of fire in verse 10. It says all whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life in verse 15 will be cast in the lake of fire. Daniel is a clear typology of Christ. He's a clear uh, typology of an excellent spirit. And he's a clear model for us that a human being, a person, a person can be Christ-like. How many of you know Daniel proves to us that we can be Christ-like? How many of you know we can have the same excellent spirit that's on Jesus can be upon our lives? 
How many of you want that excellent spirit? Does anybody want that? I believe that. I believe that we can have that same excellent spirit. And I believe that when we pray for a, a Daniel deliverance, we've got to start by saying, am I faithful? Do I believe God? Do I have those traits of an excellent spirit? Three traits of an excellent spirit. Let me just tell that you'll not defile yourself in 2016. How many will choose to not defile yourself with the things of this world in 2016? Raise your hand, those who will make a commitment to not defile yourself. That might mean you don't run around with those guys that drink. It might mean that you quit watching that kind of television and listen to that kind of music or running with that crowd. Because let me tell you something, people can defile you. What you watch and listen to can defile you. See, I, I believe we can, we can believe for a Daniel deliverance, but it won't do any good unless we have the same excellent spirit that he has. Number two, he would not bow and worship false gods. You know, anything that you put before God is an idol. With your money, with your time, with your Sabbath, with anything. Anything that you place above God is an idol. How many will choose not to walk in idolatry in 2016? Amen. Amen. We, we need to make that choice. We need to believe that God has better things for us. And then lastly, how many will stand regardless of the persecution that might come and will not let down on your witness at work, with your family, with your friends, that you'll stay bold, and even though they may turn against you and there may be some consequences, how many will not renege or waver on your witness for Christ? See, that's having an excellent spirit. I believe when we have an excellent spirit, God will stand with us. I believe that God will bring deliverance to us. I believe that 2016 is a year for those who will pray, who will believe, who will choose to have an excellent spirit. We'll have a Daniel deliverance. Some of, you, some of you are dealing with demons right now. Some of you ha- have had things happening in your life. You're under an attack right now. How many of you want deliverance from that right now? I believe that. I know the devil, uh, he comes to attack. He comes to attack our house. He comes to attack your house. Some of you are under a demonic attack, and you need a deliverance from that. And I believe that today, as we make these, these commitments... Because, you know, sometimes deliverance just comes with, come out in the name of Jesus. But you know what? Some deliver- most deliverances come like this. Now listen to me. Most deliverance comes like this. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Because, you know, if I come give you, come out in the name of Jesus deliverance, if you don't get refilled, there'll be seven more come back that are seven times worse. How many of you know that's in the Bible? You know, and one person says, well, sometimes people need to have, you know, another Christian cast the devil. There's not one single scripture in the whole of scripture that tells a Christian to cast the devil out of another Christian. That's about you taking authority of the devil. That's about you submitting, therefore, to God and resisting the devil. That is an unscriptural idea. And until you're ready to get rid of the devil, all that's going to happen when somebody else casts him out of your life is he's going to come back with seven more. See, if you've got a bully at school and, and your little kid goes to, to school and the bully keeps beating him up and dad comes and grabs the bully by the throat and says, you ever touch him again, I'll punch you out, kid. Guess what's going to happen as soon as he leaves? The bully's going to go beat him up even worse. You don't need somebody else to beat the devil for you. You need to learn how to beat him yourself. And most deliverance will come by submit therefore to God. Everybody say submit therefore to God. And that means submit to everything he says to submit to. And then resist the devil. By submitting to God, that's an automatic resisting of the devil. Resisting the devil in, in all the temptation. Resisting the devil in the way you react to things. Resisting the devil in what you want to say and do and feel. And, and, and resist the devil. And you know what? It doesn't say, 
and then you can cast him out. Then it doesn't say you can have an exorcism and a prayer meeting with a whole bunch of people begging the devil to come out of you. It says, he'll flee from you. How many would rather have the devil just fleeing from you? I kind of think it's fun to run, chase him around and kick him around a little bit. See, we're to tread upon serpents and scorpions. If he's fleeing from me, I'm going to run over him and I'm going to tread on him too. I'm going to chase him a little bit. I don't like to be chased by the devil. I'd rather chase the devil. A lot of people are just down there and barely get along the street. Down by Grumble Alley. You know, the devil is going to get us again. And take authority over him. Submit therefore to God. Well, I just can't seem to take any authority over him. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil. Well, now we're going to take, we're going to say, and what about your kids? What about them? Submit therefore to God. Maybe they'll submit to you. Submit to those in authority. Maybe they'll submit to God. So submission, and you may reap it in your kids. Somebody say amen. Come on. Every one of us have to watch that in our lives. To the degree that you submit to whom God says for you to submit to will be to the degree that your kids submit to you and submit to God. Don't ever think that it isn't any other way because that's exactly the way it is. Now, I'm going to tell you something. In this year, we need to submit to God and we need to resist the devil because the devil comes as an intimidator. Everybody say, I'm not going to be intimidated by, God, by the devil, but I'm going to overcome the devil by my God. A Daniel deliverance saw the lions. I, I, you know, I don't think the lions just stood there and looked at it. I think the lions were all in the corner scared to death of those fiery angels with their big swords. I don't think they, they, they were just you know, kind of sitting there. I think that it wasn't, you know, you know, Daniel obviously wasn't afraid of the lions. I think the lions became afraid of Daniel when he was in that den. I think that they were all held up in a corner and I think that the angels that were, were around him, I believe he was surrounded by angels. Well, I know the Bible says we've got guardian angels. And I believe that those things revealed themselves and scared those lions. I don't think those lions ever seen anything like that in their life. And I don't think they ever felt the power of God that cast them away like that in their little lion lives. Amen. I don't know about you, but I just like to be in victory instead of lose. How many of you want to have a Daniel deliverance? Stand up. We're going to pray. Now, with heads bowed and eyes shut, I'm just going to ask you if you've been under an attack of the enemy. If you've been under an attack of the enemy. With eyes closed, if the, if the devil has been messing with you and your family. I want every head bowed, and I want to just pray today. I want to start the new year fresh. I don't want to start a new year under the devil's dominion. I don't want to start a new year in any type of oppression. I don't want to start a new year with anything that's hindering me from going forward. How many of you, with heads bowed, eyes closed, I don't want people looking around. I want everybody just minding their own business before God this morning. How many of you want a Daniel deliverance from the, from the attack of the enemy in your life? You feel like you've been under attack. An unusual attack on your life. 
that you feel like the enemy is meddling and messing with your life. If, that, if that's you, raise your hands. Don't be afraid. I know there's more of you. And I want you to come down here. I want to pray for you. And I want others, I want the whole congregation to come down here this morning. And we're going to start the new year in prayer. And we're going to start the new year taking authority over the enemy in our lives. Amen. Let's have everybody come down to the front. I want everybody to gather around your brothers and sisters and lay hands on them, those who have come down here. You know, I'll tell you what, there's been an attack. The enemy has attacked us. I know the enemy attacks you. We've all had seasons where the enemy comes for a season and leaves. How many of you know Jesus was attacked in the wilderness temptation? And it says, and the devil left him for a season. And he even had to have angels come help minister to him to recover from it. Sometimes it's so bad that you're going to have to have angelic help to recover from the enemy's attack in your life. Amen. So I'm going to ask everybody to lay their hands on people that are in front of you that you're believing for them. And I'm just going to say a prayer and just say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we stand today together as a unified group against the enemy in our lives. And we say right now that in 2016, we started out with submitting therefore to God, resisting the devil, being of an excellent spirit and we declare right now devil you are bound and you are broken and you have no authority in our lives because we have submitted therefore to God and we resist you right now we endeavor to walk in an excellent spirit we will not be defiled we will not worship false gods We will not back down in our witness, but we will be an excellent spirit, and we will be faithful, and we'll believe our God like Daniel did, and we'll see deliverance in 2016, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's just pray in the Holy Spirit for several minutes. I'm just going to lay hands quickly on these. Bind those forces right now in Jesus' name. The help is... Now, that later on, Daniel prayed, and there was 21 days, and the angel withstood. And there is a breakthrough beginning to happen right now, says the Spirit of God. There is a breakthrough in the new year, and the angel has come. He has been dispatched, and the prince of Persia has been defeated in Jesus' name. Deliverance. Overcoming, overcoming. In Jesus' name, we declare that now. In Jesus' name. As you resist by submitting to God, there will be a deliverance and whom the devil uh, works through as well as the spiritual forces and those who the spiritual forces work through will be kept at bay and no weapon formed against you will prosper, says the Spirit of God. Obstacles be gone in Jesus' name. Hindrances be gone in Jesus' name. We just declare that there'll be no more hindrance 
in those areas. And we declare freedom in Jesus' name. And the physical, in the spiritual realm of infirmities, we bind that thing right now. It will no longer have strength and power over you in Jesus' name. Breaking through. A new semester, a new beginning. Oh, and some and new people with new things on the horizon, says the Spirit of God. That, that, that force on your family is broken right now as you stand in the gap and pray in the Holy Ghost. And those, those attacks on your family, your parents, I break the power of that spirit of dissension and strife, and we say you cannot operate there anymore in Jesus' name. And it's, it's, it's by standing and having done all to stand. And it seems like a hopeless situation, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible, says the Spirit of God. Do not, do not despair and do not fear, for I am with thee and I am at work and I have not forsaken, but I will stand and I will continue, says the Spirit of God, to work in that situation. Spiritual attacks. The Spirit of God says, be strong in the Lord and the powers might, that you might be able to stand against the lies of the devil. The devil fights you with lies that aren't true. Stand against them and begin to speak the word in spite of those lies and break the devil's back with the word of God. That's how you break his power. Now we break the devil's power right now from hindrance, every, every type of hindrance that tries to come. And we just say in Jesus' name that that is broken now. Yes. And there will be no hindrances Thank you, Father. in Jesus' name. Also hindrances. Hindrances. And Father, we say in Jesus' name, those hindrances are broken. Those are spiritual forces that want to create a lot of fires to try to put out. And that is a spirit uh, that causes hindrance. As Paul said, I would have come unto you except that Satan hath hindered me. And they start all those little fires that you have to chase after. Take authority over it before it happens and you'll see a change. Just keep praying. Now some of you are... Your 2016 is going to be, there's going to be a turnaround. Just keep on praying in the Holy Ghost. The Spirit wants to say some things. If everybody will quit wanting to leave and just get in the Spirit and pray. Don't be thinking about going out to eat lunch. Just be thinking about the Spirit of God speaking to you right now. New things, new opportunities, and a new beginning of a new year. For those who step out in faith, I will show you new paths. I will show you new sources and flows of income. And I will show you new things uh, that I have prepared for you to do that will be profitable and will affect your whole family's well-being, says the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. And there's some of you that have Come to a place where you say, well, where do we go now? What do we do now? As you pray in the Spirit, as the year, as the year begins, there's going to be opportunities that are going to come and give clue to what God has for you to do.
Amen. New things. And some of you are going to have to become faithful or you won't be able to hear God's word. You won't be able, because if you're not faithful with what, he, with what he has spoken to you in former times, he can't show you new things until you're faithful with former things. And now, Spirit of God is specifically telling me, uh, for some of you, go back on some of the things that he has revealed to you and become faithful in that, and it'll un, it will unlock knowledge of your future. And, and, and if you haven't been faithful in the things that he has spoken to you in the past, that's, that's Mark 4th chapter, parable of the sower, verse 24. Take heed to those things that he has spoken, and he will give you more. If you have not taken heed to those things that he's spoken, he will take away that which you have. And you'll be like a wilderness wanderer not having any word to go by. You'll wonder what it is, because if you've not been faithful to take the land, he can't give you the next step. Some of you need to receive that as, a, as an admonition. But if you take that step and be faithful in the thing the Lord told you to do, maybe it was a year ago, maybe it was two years ago, maybe it was five years ago, God's going to unlock things and, there's gonna, and it's going to be like, a, like just a, a huge flood of revelation and understanding is going to begin to come to you about your life. Now, this, when, when we get to these change of years, there's things that you need to close out. There's things that we need to finish out. There's things that we need to be faithful to do. In some, if God told you to do something in 2015, you haven't done it yet, you need to get that right. If you need to get a relationship right, you need to get something right financially. Uh, you need to take care of that before God can move you into the next new territory of your life. Let's just pray. Amen. That's the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. That, and that applies to several of you. I know the Holy Spirit's speaking that in a, in a very uh, assertive way in my spirit. 